There's no smoking on airplanes. I know. It's ridiculous, isn't if it? If you like that, I'll have to report you to the FAA. Stacy, did you know that in 1969, when smoking was allowed on all flights, we put a man on the moon? I had no idea. And it starts with ashtrays, and it ends with all of our precious freedoms being stripped away. But we don't have to take it. Like Rosa Parks and David Lee Roth, when he left Van Halen, we can say enough injustice. We can smoke one for America! Who are you? I'm done ready. I got the goods. You want some cars sold? We'll be there. We got a dealership in the ICU. 211 cars getting suntans on the lot. John, I don't mean to complain, but it's been a year and a half since I've been home. And I'm 90% sure I left my front door open. It's July 4th weekend, everybody, and we're going to war. Don't even get me started on Pearl Harbor. We are the Americans, and they are the enemy. Never again! Never again! Never again! Let's get him! Alligators! Who brought alligators? That Don Reddy sure does put on a show. <laughs> These people are excited about the savings. The goods. Live hard, sell hard. I think I made a sale. Andy wants to pay in cash. Non-sequential, unmarked bills neatly packed in this canvas bag. Well, that's a bank bag, Teddy. Oh, my eyes! My eyes! Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damie Network. To find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Hey, how you doing? Um, so... Uh, no bit this week. Um, it's just I had a good laugh about the town this movie set in, uh, in uh, Temecula, because it was part of a really weird Twitter situation where a guy threatened to fight another guy in Temecula over Kobe Bryant. And it was just weird to me. As soon as I saw that, I had a more heartier laugh than probably anybody that saw the setting for this movie. Um, so, no, just a just a funny thing I had in my head that had nothing to do with our discussion in this movie, so I thought I'd get it out in my bit period. Oh, great. Well, maybe next week the viewer, the listeners will get a bit, but at least Mark's happy this week. Yeah, that's <laughs> all that really matters in quarantine. <laughs> right, yeah, at this point it's all for one and one for all, really. Go fuck yourselves, listeners. Mark <laughs> remembers something. Uh, so, yes, this week uh, we did a little something differently. and I think we sort of did it last week, but we're going to officially kind of Go about it this way for the, I think, for the foreseeable future. I'm letting these guys or, you know, we're going to kind of go around the table. So I guess next week is my my week. So get prepared for that one. Uh, so we're letting each of the hosts uh, pick, have a week where they pick which movie that we're going to do. And for, despite my best attempts to not kind of sway them, I always I try. I always almost do. But then I just kind of take a step back. It's like, nope, it's your week. You pick it. And this week was Dan's pick. So, Dan, do you want to introduce the movie? Sure. What an introduction, by the way. 
<laughs> I try. I have to step back because I don't trust you guys. Pretty much is what no, you're saying no, right well, there. No, because I, I think I was like, well, I don't know. Like there was a couple of movies that you had tossed up, and then I was giving my opinion, and that's not really what I want to do for these episodes. I want them to be fully your choice. Um, so that's why I took a step back and was like, whatever you want to do. <laughs> I that appreciate movie, that. There was that one movie, Man on a Ledge, where. I was like, well, I'm not sure if that fits because I've never seen the movie, but from what I've heard, it's like people, that's like the one time where people are like, well, Sam Worthington was okay in that movie. See, that's my mistake. I hear or I see Sam Worthington, I automatically equate it to terrible. Yeah. Like, oh, this can't be good. He's in it. So, you know, egg on my face for picking the one movie. I did the same thing with Gerard Butler. (laughs) (laughs) but you know more often than not you're right (laughs) this is your week so yes uh so before we introduce the movie real quick just wanted to give a shout out to some of the friends of the podcast the intro music that you heard at the top of the episode is brought to you by a good friend of ours dave you can follow him on instagram at dcat888 uh if you want some music made or you want to listen to his music he's a very talented musician uh follow him there and another good friend uh our friend jim has been providing us with some social media content you could follow him on instagram at vegan cook so yeah if you need something made up uh message him he'll be more than happy to help you out so thank you guys very much for your help we greatly appreciate it uh, moving on to this week's movie, I chose The Goods, Sell Hard, or Live Hard, Sell Hard. I always get those two confused. And the reason I chose it was because Anthony and I have seen this movie in theaters, and I, I remember when I saw it, it, it had so much promise in it because it has such a good cast, and I left really having to justify liking it. Like, I was almost talking myself into, well, that was really funny that, you know, I really liked it. And after watching it again 10 years later, it does not hold up. Yeah. We might be the only two people in existence that saw this together in theaters and still talk to each other. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure this has ended many friendships. (laughs) Uh, Mark, it sounded like you had something to say. Yeah, no, I was going to say, that was exactly my sentiment um, when I watched this movie is that it felt like it was a movie that was like, like there was something like, ah, just, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it should be good. Why isn't it good? You know, sort of deal the whole time watching it. Um, yeah, it just it just felt like one of those movies um, that, you know, had the cast uh, just switch out a few pieces, maybe slightly more time to write it or something. And you might have a movie that's on par with some of the comedies around that time period. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't hold up just by the 2020 lens, um, on certain things. Um, but yeah, the whole time it was one of those where I was like, I really wish this movie was better. Yeah. As, uh, Dan had mentioned, we had both seen it in theaters with a friend of ours, John. So that's quite an accomplishment that, you know, three people watched it together based on the box office numbers. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it from, since seeing it that day and it's, it's not as bad as I remember, but it's still not quite good. I remember being, like, awful. Like, if you asked me one of the worst movies I've seen in theaters, this probably would have been on a short list of movies. Um, It's not great. There's a bunch. It's, like, it's bits and pieces of movies that uh, are better. 
like you could kind of clearly see and, and we talk about it off off podcast where like uh like stepbrothers stepbrothers became it came before this but it's it seems very influenced by it almost it almost seems like like this could have been a rough draft of stepbrothers like pieces of this that turned into a much better version of this but um yeah there's things in this movie that work slightly but overall it's just not doesn't come together yeah this movie yeah. definitely has the stepbrothers stank on it yeah yeah, well, especially it, with Catherine Hahn. It it has the same production company, right? Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. I so, so. I, you you might be right. I wonder if this movie started out as like a script for Step Brothers or like uh, I'm trying to think. It it has a lot of Anchorman two or not Anchorman two, just Anchorman uh, feeling to it as well. So it it definitely follows in the wake of those. Yeah, it definitely seems like it was a movie trying to instead of be its own movie, fit in with those movies in terms of tone and style, mm-hmm. if, if you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, what made those movies stand out is that um, even though they were written by basically the same conglomerate of people um, at that time, um, they all had felt unique, uh, at, at least the, the main ones that broke through. And then I guess the goods would fall into the category of those people trying to chase that high of that first one. Um, in the wake, those, uh, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s um, back then. But yeah, it just felt like a movie that maybe had some leftover jokes um, from all all the writing they've had and they tried to mash it into a movie or it was something that the production, like maybe bosses or something was like, we need to get something out in a year. We need to ride this wave. Um, And they just slapped this together um, and then just said, hey, it's about uh, car salesmen. I think... I think yeah. they flew too close to the sun on this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I it I was just looking up the the writers. It's a writer team of Andy Stock and Rick Stempson, and the only other credit they've ever had. This is you know ever since they wrote the Goods Live Hard Sell Hard was Balls Out Gary the Tennis Coach from mm. the same year. <laughs> and that's it. They haven't had work since. Not since. Yeah. yeah. I guess they and figured it, out writing isn't their strong suit. Yeah. And it was a, I, it must have been a, a direct-to-video movie starring Sean William Scott and Randy Quaid. I, I was going to say, if you had asked me who would star in that, Sean William Scott would have come to my mind. I swear <laughs> yeah. to God. That well, it's kind of like, like Mr. Woodcock, right? Yes. It's like a precursor to Mr. Woodcock. He, he's also in a movie where he he's in a, like a, a, a grocery store. He's like a grocery store manager. So it just sounds like the most boring movie that you can have. And Sean William Scott deserves to be in it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, you know what? He probably could have done well in this movie, in in the goods. Sean William Scott. Yeah. Are you talking about the promotion from 2008? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, he's basically he's just like a nobody, and he's vying for a, a I guess a promotion at the grocery store. And is John C. Riley in it? Yep. Yeah, That's the one he's uh he's vying for it against. It's almost like the Dane Cook movie where he works at Walmart essentially, right? Employee he, of the month. Yeah, that's the, they're pretty much the same movie. Mm-hmm. One's the Kirkland version, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I guess it'd be the promotion. Um, but yeah, I I'm disappointed in myself for having tried to like this movie when I first saw it, and I think a lot of that has to do with the company I was with. You know, sure. 
No, you too. Because <laughs> I do, I do remember distinctly leaving that movie and you not liking it, and then John and I were like, "Why not, bro? Why didn't you like it, man?" <laughs> so it was the opposite. It was like, "Oh, Anthony's just an asshole." So we <laughs> didn't asshole. like it. Well, we always and to this day, listener, we still do this to Anthony, where he's a he's a film snob in our eyes. So like, well, if it, it was perfect example when John had watched uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I said, well, you better like it or else Ant's not going to like you anymore. So that's that's our way of like, well, this movie's too good for Anthony. It's it's not the movie. It's Ant, however, essentially. Yeah. However, about, about there's someone else on this podcast you need to worry about. <laughs> uh, Mark, you like that. I didn't know that. That that was that was I was the someone who made it the movie. Number one movie of 2012. Yep. Not me. <laughs> if you had given me two choices. Both choices would have been Anthony on that. <laughs> I absolutely love that movie. I've never seen it, so I can't really judge it. But most of the time, if Anthony loves a movie, I judge it. Like, oh, it can't be that good then. You knock it down a point. I like, do. How, how good can this be? <laughs> yeah, it, it happens. Around here, we call it the Dunkirk effect. <laughs> that was the closest Anthony and I have ever gotten to an actual argument. Uh, yeah, so this movie, full title, is The Goods colon live hard comma sell hard well, you, by... you know it's a great comedy if it has a colon in the title. yes <laughs> a colon and a comma yep directed by neil brennan whose only theatrical film directed but uh you might know him as david Ch- dave Chappelle's writing partner he's a co-creator of Chappelle show anytime on that show dave Chappelle mentions neil that's who he was talking about neil brennan uh, has an imdb score of 5.8 and a rotten tomato score of 27 percent and it stars the absolutely all-star cast of Jeremy Piven, Ving Rhames, James Brolin, David Koechner, Jordan Sparrow, Catherine Hahn, Ed Helms, Ken Jeong, and Rob Riggle. Budget of $10 million. Box office, 15.3. So when all is said and done, it basically broke even. I, I, uh, did you mention the most important star in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Josh Brolin's dad, right? No, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, Alan Thicke. Alan Thicke Alan is in Thicke. my notes, but I did not mention him here. <laughs> Rest in peace, Alan Thicke, by the way. Anybody else dead? Oh, yeah, the uh, who, the other guy's dead. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, I was like, this is going to sound terrible. I thought Ving Rhames was Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> I, I made like, a mistake last week when we talked about Armageddon. <laughs> oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> so that's two weeks in a row where we yeah. we swapped Ving Rhames and Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> this was Charles Napier's last film role before he died. Probably for the best. He was terrible in this movie. Yeah. But there's, I, I haven't mentioned Tony Hale. Yeah. Mentioned Wendy Malick. Craig Robinson. DeWolf. Yep, Craig Robinson's in this. Man, it's an all absolutely all-star cast. Christian Shaw has a small role. Brian Callen's got a small role. Yeah, no, it's a lot of really talented people coming together to make a middling comedy that no one... Like, how many people you think have watched this on Amazon Prime? Uh, 85. <laughs> and we're three of them, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Including us, yes. 85. Like, in it... So, like, but, like, starting with old school to... I don't know. What's like the last great comedy? Get him uh, to the. Do you want to say that was pretty much the end of it? Yeah. Like maybe that this might is be. 40. That's not really a comedy, though. Let's say Get Him to the Greek. Okay. It's that's like fair. the end of that era. 
because right, that's like the, the sequel yeah. to a better movie. Yeah. Right. So who, like the Judd Apatow era, yeah. pretty much. Uh, this is towards the bottom for sure, yeah. if not the bottom. Yeah. Although Get Him to the Greek is down there as well. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure that we're in the same, like when it was Get Him to the Greek, because I just feel like 2010. So yeah, that, that works. Yeah. So Get Him to the Greek is the end of that era. Yeah. But like cla- absolutely classic movies and a lot of the same people are involved with it. And this is just... I mean, even on the poster that I'm looking at on IMDb from the the guys behind Talladega Nights and Step Brothers. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Talladega Nights, but I like Step Brothers. Um, but but it's yeah. in the same vein of of comedy where yep. it's just over the top ridiculous. A lot of Mar- as Mark was saying, I don't know if if it was on the recording or prior that it there's a lot of ad libbing. Uh, they kind of just let the comedians do their thing. So and. I do get a sense that they had that here, especially with David Koechner. I feel like they kind of just give him free reign to just spew random bullshit yeah. in movies. And like as I was saying before, how there's some Anchorman feelings. He essentially plays Champ Kind. There's a lot yeah. of characters who play the same character, as you were saying. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. there are, I think, I feel like there was a lot of ad-libbing with, like, Craig Robinson in some scenes. Because a lot of it, a lot of it's ADR. Like there's the whole the whole riot scene where he's basically com- commentating the riot scene. No, oh, yeah. obviously ADR. Oh, thank uh, God for the cops. <laughs> yeah, right. I never I'm thought sure, I'd say this. I'm sure Catherine Hahn and Rob Riggle did a lot of improvising together. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the problem is our lead actor is not a is not really known for that. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm imagining this is coming off the tail of. Entourage. Yeah. Where I think this is the heyday of Entourage, as far as I'm, as far as I remember. I th- I think Entourage was e- either ending at that point or it was about to end. Uh, but I mean his character, I, I mean I give him credit because Ari Gold was a good character on that show. He was probably my favorite character. So I think they just wanted that character sort of, mm-hmm. with just the loudmouth, very brash, obnoxious, confident uh, Jeremy Piven which is pretty much what you get no matter how you ask him to act. He's yeah. just going to be a loudmouth, brash idiot. Um, this is our second Jeremy Piven movie. I, I was just going to say that, <laughs> as we saw in his last movie that we covered, uh, So Undercover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, just Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. I was, gonna say, I was just going through my head. Uh, we can answer this question in full at the end. But I was thinking there were like multiple people in this movie um, or the big cameo probably that could have played the lead role better than Piven. We can get into it right now. Who do you think who, you name an actor, put it, put a better actor. Like what, who makes this movie better in this role? Um, to be honest, uh, Paul Rudd. Okay. I like Paul Rudd. That, that could work. Uh, I went this, my point was being in this particular cast, mm-hmm. you put Will Ferrell in that role. And sure. I think it's a better movie. Yeah. I think Will Ferrell, you have like the, the anchor man sort of narcissist, but a buffoon at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you have Jeremy Piven and he's just a narcissist. Right. Yeah. I think you, you, again, going off of the same, uh, the same actors that have been in these movies, you could probably put Jason Siegel in there. He's way funnier. Sure. I was going to say Bradley Cooper Ooh, at this moment yeah. in his life, in his career, just doing the hangover. He's younger. Um, yeah. Hasn't really hit the big time right. yet like he's big but not guardians of the galaxy big right yeah no he's he's the hangover big that's yeah. really what it is that's his biggest movie at this moment is the sure. hangover yeah because yeah. he's a, he could play an asshole really well 
but he's li- he's still likable. I think that's yeah. one of the things that Jeremy Piven just does not bring to the table. He's not, no, he's he not likable. <laughs> Even right. as Ari Gold is like, he's a guy that you love to hate and you just love, uh, like, and you hate to love. Yeah. And, but I think that's the stamp of that character and yeah. why he he pretty much rocks it there yeah, because absolutely he's, he's an asshole and he's supposed in in that environment that's how you survive essentially as yeah. a, he, w- w- and, what was he he was the talent agent right yeah exactly yeah. and he but he was a side he was he wasn't a the lead he was a supporting right. character and it's like you don't have to you don't have to love him because he you love what he brings to the table is he's the guy that's gonna fucking get the job done and also and he exactly was acting, what he's go ahead. he was also acting circles around a really mediocre main cast oh yeah no yeah. he acts circles around that entire cast of entourage <laughs> yeah like th- those guys uh, i have no clue how they yeah. became so famous <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah the uh the the main uh downfall for him in this movie is that I don't think he has any chemistry with anybody else in the movie. No. Like all the other characters when they interact, like you can you can see the you know the way they even if they're mostly ad libbing. Like we bring up Ron Rob Riggle and uh, Catherine Hahn. You know those scenes you could see how much fun they were having. You know doing those dumb scenes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Together, but anytime he interacted with anybody, and especially when he was acting with uh, Jordana Spiro, um, there was just nothing. Like at all, um, yeah. in, in terms of even comedy or any kind of romance. Um, and I think if you had a character that clicked better with the rest of the cast, this movie could be up there with, with those movies, um, you know, of the time frame. Because the story itself is something you should be able to make a pretty good comedy about. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a very yeah. basic thing. Yeah, uh, I think I think you hit a, a hit upon a, a like on paper putting Jeremy Piven in this in this movie sounds like a good idea but i i think it, it i think a lot of improv and a lot of things that happen in this era of comedy has a lot to do with relationships offset yeah. you know will ferrell and john c Riley and stepbrothers you feel like those dudes were hanging out you know yeah. af- like after after they called cut and like i feel like jeremy piven they called cut and he went right through his trailer he wasn't hanging out with yeah. You know, Catherine Hans, like Ving Rhames, like, hey, maybe, maybe we could do this a little differently. Like, you know, that rapport, I think yeah. Mark hit on something very strongly is like, it's a different, it's a different mindset. And it's, it's just poor. It's a poor casting choice. It's like I said, it seems great on paper. You know, you got this guy that's kind of an asshole and that's, but he's good at what he does. And that fits Jeremy Piven's wheelhouse to a T. That's what he did on, that's what he did on Entourage for nine seasons. And he was great at it. I think taking that and putting it surrounding him with people that are more in this, you know, communal improv mindset is, is a, is the detriment of this movie. I, I think also just in general, building a movie around Jeremy Piven is a bad idea. He's better yeah. as a sporting, he's a, he's a character actor. Yeah. And you also, throughout the movie, there's so many running gags that they just beat to death and are not really funny at, at first so you're you're already having tired jokes that are being thrown at you yeah. over and over yeah. and over. Like they keep talking about Kirky. They keep talking about how James Brolin might be gay. You have the old uh, Charles Napier. You have him who's an old racist guy. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, well, we get it. How yeah. many times can the guy say 
you know, a homophobic slur. And I, I get it was 2009, and I, I'm not trying to sound woke here, but even in 2009, that wasn't funny. Yeah. 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 This, it, it, this movie, sorry to cut you off, Mark. That's fine. This movie is, um, I'm trying to think of who directed the Joker, Todd Phillips. This is Todd, this is what Todd Phillips was talking about in that interview where you can't make comedies anymore. Sure. This is what he's talking about, because now you can't have an old guy talking about nom and gay people. That's essentially what it, the goods live hard, sell hard is. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny that you mentioned Todd Phillips, just because you know we just mentioned like that era of comedy that started with old school directed mm. by Todd Phillips. Exactly. That, and that's what I mean, <laughs> though, because he I bet you he would point to something like this and say, well, you can't say what this guy's saying now. Like, well, yeah, because that's not funny. Yeah. You can, you can find other ways to be funny without having the tired cliche of the old white man, you know, just hating on every minority he comes into contact with. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah the, the thing I was going to say, the only like movie long bit that don't get beat to death is the one about the one salesman being his son, only because I think the other actor makes it. Um, with Do just, you think that worked? No, no. I'm saying it, it, it gets to a point where um, him going, just the one point with uh, Keckner. Um, when he, he goes, I know my dad, he's in Louisiana. Like, you know, him selling it, like, what the fuck's going on here? Um, it, you it, know, was, it, it was a good uh, twist where, like, you think, oh, that could be his son. And yeah. it winds up not even being close. But then they probably could have just ended it there. Yeah, yeah they, yeah, they could have ended it at that scene. But then Piven has to have his moment at the end. But, um, yeah, it was basically, it, it, it shot back to me. And maybe I was wrong about it. Um, it's just that when, you know, Jeremy Piven had to be involved with the, with the joke, um, it just got beat to the ground um, in terms of the having catch with him or, you know, talking off to the side about things the kid's doing. But when the kid had to be on the other side of the bit, um, he seemed to give it some legs that it wasn't there. I don't know. I just maybe. Yeah. Uh, like I, w- I wasn't saying I wasn't saying that in terms of what you were specifically saying um, was wrong. I was more saying like I felt like that was extraordinarily underdeveloped. It was it was like a side story yeah. that did not have any legs. Like I felt like that should have been like more of a like his his chemistry his lack of chemistry with Jordan Spiros was so bad that you could have removed that completely and had that be the story. Like his yeah. like him him being the son and then him being you know trying to make good with the son and like. Yeah. I'm. I was like. That, I, I don't want to say this is a better movie, but almost treat the son like they do Walton Goggins in Major League Three: Back to the Minors, where he's like this real hotshot asshole, and then um, he, gets he gets humbled. So like Jeremy Piven comes in and is just like, well, you know, you're 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 a loose cannon. You gotta reel it back and do this. Do it this way. You got to focus that that energy into selling cars and not being a showman and stuff like that. What I'm saying is there's a better father son relationship in Major League Three Back to the Minors than in this movie. (laughs) I mean, one has Scott Bakula in it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, America's dad, Scott Bakula. Yeah, Uh, I I did write in my notes that they should have eliminated the love interest because (laughs) that story is so boring. It comes out of nowhere And and it elevates very quickly for no reason and then just kind of comes to a grinding halt I, until I, gar- the end. I guarantee you there had to be some kind of 
connection or like somebody knew somebody that was like working on her TV show on TBS at the time, you know, my boys going, Hey, you know, she's, let's put her in a movie. Let's, you know, like an agent knew another agent or something. Right. She, because, she's got heat. She's on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in the movies. Yeah. Cause she doesn't fit. Um, I, I actually, I think she, she kind of plays along the line with some of the other girls in it. Um, during that time frame. Um, I mean, wasn't, no, that was before Grey's Anatomy. Never mind. I was going to say old school with Ellen Pompeo. Um, uh, but, and, uh, Catherine Heigl in, was that, uh, Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, anyway, this proves my point, but I was going to say, she kind of fit that role of like up and coming, you know, actress on a TV show at the time, um, that they popped in this movie. And, I yeah. she hasn't done much since outside of the Ozarks. Yeah, so. no, she was, she had two seasons left of My Boys. So 2000, 2010 is when My Boys ended. So, I'm sure yeah. she tried to make the jump to to yeah. film. She has Trespass, which stars our oh, favorite. awful. <laughs> <laughs> our favorite Nicolas Cage. Jeez. Oh, um, and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> and Nicole Kidman. That no, yeah. When I, I when they called this part. movie when they called this movie also did articles we did that did an episode on Trespass we did an article on Trespass. Yeah. Um, there yeah. was a part where you brought up Mark when he's having the catch with his son. And I wrote down that that scene infuriated me because you can tell how unathletic both of those actors are. Because <laughs> like, when Jeremy Piven goes to catch the ball, he like stabs at the ball instead of just, you know, casually catching it. And mm-hmm. you could tell he is not used to throwing a baseball. Sure. And Kevin, that's one of Kevin my Cos- pet- yeah, that, that's one of my still undefeated. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even Charlie Sheen, Charlie Sheen could throw a baseball. Yeah, I think they said he hit uh, like 85 on the gun. Yeah, because he used to play, I think. Right. I think he uh, was. Uh, did he play in college? I can't remember, but at least high college school, or high school. Yeah, yeah he was an, he, sort of athletic. Same thing with Mr. Mustache himself. Uh, oh, Tom yeah. Selleck. Yeah. He can play some ball. So that's... I hate when you have an actor who has zero sense of athleticism mm-hmm. and then they throw that in there. Like it, it just, it's one of my pet peeves. I hate it. Right. Yeah. I mean, in its defense, they weren't trying to make him an athlete. They were yeah. just be like, Oh, this is the, the cliche father son moment. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't Freddie Prince jr. In summer catch. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> man. Why you should have picked that movie, Mark. <laughs> like, oh, well, that has Ken Griffey jr. In it, doesn't it? Yeah. Does it? I think yeah. at the end he gets at the end he gets a home run on Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. yeah. Oh good. I don't good. think, I don't think feel good. <laughs> <laughs> what did Freddie Prince ever do to you, Ant? Ugh, he did summer catch. That's for yeah. damn sure. <laughs> well, that, that well, movie. I think I know what our movie is when it comes back around us. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- this movie is. Um, it's not the sum of its parts. That's for sure. No, not at all. All right. Uh, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's see why not. Dan, you got uh, your plugs? I do. Uh, I'm As I've been doing for the past few weeks, I'm here to talk to you about a good friend of the podcast. We have so many friends. Our, our friends are growing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about the top 10 with Tia. She is on Geek Vibes Nation. You could catch her on there. Uh, she has a weekly podcast where Tia and her crew tackle a number of entertaining topics like the top 10 movies of the year or the top 10 worst on-screen couples. Uh, This week, I think it was the top 10 movie villains. So that's a very good topic. If you have some time, check that out. You can find it on any podcast streaming service. uh, And that's it. Okay. We're going to take a step back to listen to a message from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. 
Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA Podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, and it's time to get into the plot of The Goods, colon, Live Hard, Sell Hard. Uh, we've got plot. We open up on Selic Motors in Temecula, California. It's a used car lot that has seen better days. An old car salesman with racist, misogynist views by the name of Dick Lewiston gets into a fight with a customer after telling him that he's basically a, a beta cuck, more or less, <laughs> yeah. in 2020 terms, and that his yeah. wife should be at home popping out babies. Yeah, yeah. And it was just one of those, it was instantly off the bat. I'm like, oh boy, is this what we're in for? Like, yeah. for the whole movie. Made you check yeah. what year this movie was made? <laughs> exactly. Immediately. <laughs> oh, shit. 2009. We're still we're still saying uh, the R word. <laughs> yeah, we're saying a lot of words at yeah. that point. Uh, then we uh, cut to Mr. Selleck, played by James Brolin, who's owned the lot for 27 years. He's going to lose his lot to the bank by the end of the summer, so he decides to hire a mercenary. mercenary. He looks up to his card and says... Don, the goods ready. And we cut to Don and his crew having breakfast at a strip club. Immediate boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Very early. It's crazy because when you watch this movie, and I remember thinking this in the theater, when you get boobs that quickly, you imagine you're going to see more of them throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the last time you see them. Well, you do get it in the porn movies that they watch at the hotel, but that's about it. Yeah. I don't know if I count that because that's more of like video. You're not getting like real. You're not getting boobs. seeing boobs. You are and you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I would like you to make that case in a court of law, Dan. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, as we said, Don and his crew is having a brunch at a sh- breakfast at a strip club, and we've got his crew was made up of David Keckner, Catherine Hahn, and Ving Rames. They're a team of traveling car salesmen that have been on the road for a year and a half, and they get hired to work Selleck's Fourth of July sale. And they cut to... The airplane, when they go through some files that have Selleck Motors uh, information on it, goes through the family, and they notice that he has a 29-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son, who's also played by Rob Riggle, so put that together. Yeah, and, it's, it's very uh, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. I feel like they ripped that directly from Red, uh, Wedding Crashers. Yeah. Sure. My, my experience was more, uh, it felt like the beginning of every Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> when they're going over suspects <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh so they have the file on on Selick motors then don ready who's an awful human being played by jeremy piven tries to smoke on an airplane and yeah. then uh, kristen shawl who is playing a stewardess 
Let's tell him that there is no smoking on airplanes. And he talks his way into getting getting the smoke on the plane. And fun fact, uh, airlines outlawed smoking in 1990. And then oh. a party breaks out and motorboats Chris, and he motorboats Christian Shaw. Now, I thought it would have been funnier if he, you know, he does that whole speech and he, you know, he's chanting USA, USA. And he goes to light up the cigarette and Kath, uh, what is it, Catherine Shaw? Christian Shaw. Christian Shaw. She just says, well, no, you, you still can't do that. Because right. she has that kind of delivery where she would make that way funnier than if it's just like, oh, yeah, she gets motorboated. But like, to me, she's kind of she's very underrated in terms of comedy. I think she's yeah. she's really funny. She had a dry sense of humor. She was great in uh, Flight of the Concords. I liked her in The Last Man. I thought she yeah. was really funny in that. Last Man. But yeah, she was good. I thought she would have been really it would have been so much funnier if she was like, no, you can't do that still. And, <laughs> yeah. and the, like the whole plane is like, oh, and, oh, all right, well, moving on. Yeah, I, well, I, we'll, we'll tell the the writers that we could write a better movie for them. We can yeah. do that with every writer for every movie that we review. <laughs> this is yeah. how we make your movie better. And we just we do that. Yeah. And I I am pretty sure, probably 90 percent sure that it was Jeremy Piven's call to do the motor roading. I hope Probably. not. I hope not. Because <laughs> that did kind of come out of nowhere. But I really hope he asked her permission at least. I mean, it was pre-Me Too. They might have just done it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's so scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, it's slight tangent, but the the whole you know pre-Me Too with the Adrian Brody, Halle Berry moment is now seen in a completely different light. Yep. Um, you know, after, you know, Halle Berry finally was able to Say, say the truth without being ridiculed for it. True. Well, it's on a lighter note, Mark. <laughs> I was surprised that Kristen Shaw had boobs to motorboat. There you go. You know, she's not very sexualized. So, like True. when when Jeremy yeah. Piven forces himself on her, I was like, oh wow, that's a <laughs> it, interesting it was a surprise. Little, it, it was out of it was out of character for her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and that might that might uh, lend more to Mark's theory. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the more you talk about it, the more it makes sense where it's like that was just kind of Jeremy Piven going for broke. Right. Yeah. He's like, I'm on motherfucking entourage. (laughs) Sorry, gold motherfuckers. Yeah, I I wonder if he took like, I guess Neil Brennan was trying to say, like, yeah, you know, like it turns into a huge party and like, oh, well, this is how I party. And it's, (laughs) you know, not great. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you never see down the goods already just bump lines. I feel like that's where it would have happened, right? Right. He's doing. Yeah. He's doing a line off Kristen Shaw's uh, chest. Yeah. I mean, in in the real world, Don Reddy would just be a huge cokehead. No. Yeah. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent. I I picture him more of an alcoholic. Sure. Uh, I would imagine David Koechner's character would be more of the cokehead. Mm-hmm. And. Catherine Hahn's character is the molester, and Ving yeah. Rhames is just a cool dude. <laughs> just like real life. Just I like mean, real life, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they, everybody, people around them are cokeheads, but really, the the crew, more than anything, would probably be on coke. Or, yeah, right, yeah, or some uh, over-the-counter drugs, Yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe some Oxycontin or something like that. Probably. Yeah, yeah, it would have probably been something more like that at the time. Coke has more gotten into fashion recently. Mm-hmm. Coke's always been fashionable, Mark. Who we can yeah. never go out of style. <laughs> it's like a good pair of Vans. <laughs> <laughs> Just as dangerous. <laughs> at the airport, they meet up with Peter, played by Rob Riggle, who is Mr. Selleck's ten-year-old 
boy. Um, and the liberal use of the R word comes up here. Yep, um, very. <laughs> he drops that like a hard R, man. Yeah. No, yeah. no, like, no forgiveness asked, really. Yeah, it, yeah, it was tough. Um, it, like even for 2009. Yeah, but it's I, amazing how quickly stuff like that changes, though. I, I was just gonna say, I think it really is telling how when we we all had the same reaction where we watched this movie, and as soon as he drops that R word, we're just like, ooh, bad form. You know, it's yeah. I think it's good for the time because, you know, if nothing had changed and he says that, we could have been laughing at it, you know, and just like, oh, he called Rob Riggle the R word. And it's, but now we're, we understand, like, oh, well, Jeremy Piven is a jerk. And it's not Jeremy Piven's fault unless he specifically wanted to call someone that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What if Neil yeah. Brennan was just like, oh, what's the matter with this guy? I was like, can I call him this word instead? <laughs> I really think that's what my character would say. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Well, and and just thinking, I shouldn't have been so surprised. The Black Eyed Peas had to change an entire song because it literally had that word in it. Sure, mm-hmm. that was around yeah. the same time too. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It's like it was really I, on the cusp of like kind of pe- yeah. people being more sensitive to to that, and probably the F word as well. Yeah, the yeah. other F word. Right, right. It, we it's... say fuck all the time on this, <laughs> this show. Yeah, that that one that one's okay. We're allowed to do that one, but. Yeah, this movie is it's weird because it it could have been better, but it was also it feels like it's something that was so far in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It it almost feels like this would have been a better movie in like the 80s. Yeah. 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 Definitely an 80s. Yeah. My it's my thing, even in real life with the use of of those words there and certain other words with, you know, um, growing up in a very Irish Catholic neighborhood, um, you know, they didn't really see the badness of you know the f word and the r word sure um, but you know when you asked them they were like i will my thing is i always go back i'm like could you make that same point without that word like <laughs> like right. like do you need that word in there um mm. you know does it you know it, it, it the point being like he the joke would have landed just as well if he would have called him slow mm-hmm. you know or like what are you some type of idiot or something like that yeah, yeah like, something like that like yeah, it's like it's 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 my thing, and maybe I'm naive or you know anything like that. It's like I'm like, did did you need to use that? Like you know, like it doesn't enhance the joke, right? Um, you know, um, we'd have to ask Jeremy Piven. Yeah, who pro- he probably drops that R word <laughs> way more in real life. I wonder uh, if he even remembers don't this. Don't be the R word. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Jeremy Piven remembers this movie. Probably not. Right. <laughs> this yeah. This is something that was after a bad bender. Yeah, this I wasn't was, like was this wasn't like where they uh, where they found them at the truck stop for the Miley Cyrus movie. <laughs> <laughs> he wandered the onto the, the goods. <laughs> <laughs> he wandered onto the set of the goods and just proceeded to act. They, he wasn't paid at all. It was like, all right, we're yeah. gonna get a movie out of Jeremy Piven. <laughs> Nobody tell him. You know who could have done this better? I bet Jason Sudeikis. Sure. Yeah. He, right. He could have been a better Jeremy Piven. He's a good asshole. Yes, but he's likable. Yeah, he's what a like he, the the rocker. Uh, the that's uh that's Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Right, yeah. but he plays like I think he plays a radio uh, like a uh album a studio exec. If anyone knows anything other that than Rain Wilson being in the rocker, I think they know too much about that movie. I think, I think I've, I've seen the rocker. I've seen. Oh yes, she is. And Jonah Hill, I think. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> no, Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Yeah. Easy, easy to mistake. Easy to mistake. 
Just like yeah. Ving Rhames and Michael Clark Duncan, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, two jacked, two jacked guys, right? Bald. It's very easy, all right? It's like when I miss... I, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but when uh, The Mandalorian came out and uh, it was Carl Weathers mm-hmm. was, was shown, I thought it was... Uh, Billy D. Williams? Billy D. Williams, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my boss. I was like, it's pretty cool that they got Billy D. Williams to be in it. <laughs> Billy D. Williams? Mm-hmm. Billy D. Williams isn't in it. Like, yeah, he is. He's he's right here. Like, you idiot. That's Carl Weathers. Oh, I knew that. I just want yeah. to make sure you knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, in, in this, um, it, it was, I, I think we're all prone to that. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, one of the best SNL skits is, you know, Dylan McDermott and Dermot Maroney. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's just sort of it's like those character actors, um, you know, tend to get um, confused at times, um, no. unless if they're like Clint Howard or somebody that's really, you know, <laughs> you know, you can go, oh yeah, that's Clint Howard, you know, like without even thinking about it. Um, I feel like Clint Howard is another guy who was born perpetually old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's like episodes of Star Trek, like the original series that he's in, where he's like a nine-year-old and he's like a <laughs> giant bald head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a reason for bringing that up or we'll get to it it didn't just come out of nowhere <laughs> uh okay so then they meet uh mr selick and his daughter ivy played by jordana spiro whom piven has no chemistry with but they're gonna force it anyway yeah um, and, and and with jordana just get it out of the way early here i always felt like like, I should like her, you know, and, you know, like the stuff she's in. But it just, it's like this movie. It's like, it never really clicked. Like, yeah, My Boys is good. Like, I had to talk myself into, you know, that that show was actually good. Um, and then, you know, uh, seeing her in this, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, then I'm like, no, it just, just never really clicked. Like, she looks like she should be, you know, a good, a good, you know, you know, secondary, you know, not the lead on and anything really, but yeah, she just has zero chemistry um, with anybody um, on there, and it made me realize that all the things I had seen her in had the same problem. <laughs> That's Sorry. the most hideous thing I've ever seen. Uh, I just shared a picture of Clint Howard when he was maybe seven <laughs> on that, an episode that of is Star Trek. That is the epitome of a face only a mother could love. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that poor man yeah jeez are they that's bad brothers? what's that uh, him and ron are they full bro- they're full brothers I, right they are like what are those eyebrows the short straw on at every turn for, ev- for, ev- <laughs> <laughs> for everything yeah I, I think at one point uh ron howard was considered like a teen heartthrob almost yeah, i mean he was i mean he had red hair but he was a cute kid he was a good looking kid he was on a huge sitcom and then oh my god what happened <laughs> was he were they twins and there's just like the second twin just barely hung on and that became clint <laughs> jeez this is bad <laughs> I, like the, the listeners can't see this, obviously. So I, I don't know how to describe it. All right. So it's like a munchkin from The Wizard of Oz, but it's also like Frank Langenella with the eyebrows. Yeah. 
am I am I describing that right? I don't... Sure. I mean, it's, look, it's, it should be the key art for this podcast. Look, it's it's <laughs> the original Star Trek series, so he's got. I'm assuming that he's wearing a bald cap, <laughs> but I mean, I've never seen Clint Howard with hair. You can't assume that. You can't. <laughs> um, bald cap technology was not that good back then. And yeah, I mean, and that's just that's just the the, the tip of the iceberg of this picture. But um, <laughs> I didn't click on the full thing. Is it a full size? No, it's exactly what you see. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that looks like Clint Howard now. Exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. with better developed teeth. <laughs> All right. So back to the goods. Uh, <laughs> um, we uh, yeah, Jordana Spiro, and then Selick starts coming on to Keckner. And Catherine Hahn wants to fuck Rob Riggle, who's also a 10-year-old. So throughout this, I'm just going to d- name Keckner and Catherine Hahn, because I don't know what their character names are. Yeah, do I? The, the, my favorite line is coming up from Ving Rhames, where he, Catherine Hahn's talking about wanting to bang Rob Riggle's character. That's and, he club, just yeah. goes, and he just goes, you, you're the adult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're well, yeah, because she, she says... Is, <laughs> She says, "Is it wrong that I wanna I wanna have sex with a ten year old boy?" Like, well, yes, you're the adult. And he, uh, yeah, she's like, "But he looks like he's he's trapped into the body of a thirty five year old man. So who's at fault here?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, you're the adult. <laughs> you're at <laughs> fault." Well, every funny line, I I'd say ninety nine percent of the funny lines delivered in this movie are from Ving Rhames. Yeah. Yes. I, I think the MVPs of this movie are Ving Rhames and Craig Robinson. Yes. Yeah. Craig Robinson but, just for one line. But even Craig Robinson kind of gets, his shtick gets a little old pretty quickly. His, his best line is, uh, we'll get to it because I made a note of it. It's one of the first lines he says. Um, yeah. An honorable mention by the uh, the cameo in, in yeah, near the end sure. that we'll get to. Because I literally, I giggled for a good <laughs> few minutes. And I even like though I second and even on my second second watch of this movie, I giggled at it too, knowing it was coming. Um, I actually forgot that he was in it until you brought it up. Yeah. Um, so they get into the car on the ride over. We get a flashback of Don telling about his first sale when he conned a kid out of a tricycle in favor of a hoppity hip. And that's the only part of it. That's the only need for the scene that we get. And he kind of just promises that he's going to sell all the cars in the lot. We're going to get back you guys back in the black. Then they check in the motel and we check in with the team as they watch TV. Han and Keckner decide to watch porn while Ving Rhames watches Dawson's Creek. Yeah, and that's another great line from Ving Rhames. I mean, yep. I yeah, think that's probably the most Van famous. Van yeah, it's probably the most famous line from the movie. Yeah, he if loves James Van Der Beek. That's, yeah. that's all we need to know. It's even uh, funnier the second time they play it when uh, yeah. Jeremy Piven is kind of having a like a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> James Van Der Beek. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's a good callback. Yeah. Um, so Selick then invites the team for dinner at his house. Don brings Arby's because he doesn't eat home-cooked meals, which... This movie really tries to make us hate Don so much. Yeah. It's such a small detail that doesn't need to be in this movie. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be like, oh well, you know, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to plant roots, so he doesn't like home cooked meals. It's like this movie could be exactly the same without this little shitty detail. Right. Yeah. Or you don't even have to have him eating. He can even say like, oh, you know, I'm not used to home cooked meals. Yeah. Yeah. And you pick the worst fast food restaurant possible. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Sir, this is an RV. It was like In-N-Out Burger. It would be like, all right, well, you know, he's Local in California. Right. <laughs> it is Temecula. Right. 
And it's 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 a uh, it's a bad scene altogether because we do get two really terrible running gags throughout the movie. Uh, and you said the one, well, you said both, I think, right? Where uh, James Brolin, not James Brolin, yeah, James Brolin wants to bang David Koechner, mm-hmm. and then Catherine Hahn wants to bang Rob Riggle. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's two running gags. That it's throughout the entirety of the movie. Yep. Selleck comes on to Brent, and Catherine Hahn comes on to Rob Riggle, and then Paxton Harding shows up, Ivy's fiance. He's in a man band called Big Ups. He's the son of an owner of another uh, used car dealership called Harding Motors. And the joke is that he's too old to be in a boy band. Um, But uh, in my notes, I say, but he's still too old for this role. But that's not true because I did further research and Ed Helms is only 35 when this movie was filmed. And he looks every bit of 45, I would say. (laughs) He looks really bad in this movie. He's very out of shape. Uh, I, I guess I get that's supposed to be the joke that he's too mm-hmm. old to be in a, a boy band, but I feel like they could have found someone way better for that role. And yeah. I think Mark, you even said Adam Scott. Yeah. And I think that would have been miles, miles yeah. ahead better. Yeah. Yeah. The the perfect guy for that, but I don't know if he was even acting around that time. I've been thinking about through this would have been Ben Schwartz. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know who I was thinking of, and it. I mean, he would be about the same age now. Would be at like if this movie took place now, it'd be Adam Devine or Devine. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yes. The guy from Workaholics. Yep. Yeah. Um, like he would fit perfectly in that because he's 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 kind of got that boyish look to him, but he's he's in real life he's like 36, 37. Um, yeah. so that would work in this. Like Ed Helms looks like he's a former correspondent for The Daily Show. Yeah. Which he was at this point. In the, in, it was like he looks like he should be in a suit and tie and selling insurance, but he's, got he's the, not. He's got like a weird tank top, like or sleeveless T-shirt and spiky hair. And it's like he, he's rocking the double chin. Yeah. He just he looks tired. In he's got this a movie. dad bod. Yeah, exactly. He's just he's he's not selling us on. A 35-year-old who's trying to be 22. Right. Because yeah. I feel like Brian Callen makes sense. Like he's older, but he's in much better shape. He yeah. he has the physique to to be in a band, I guess, yeah. in a boy band. Even though he's, at that point, he was probably 41, 42. Yeah, he was over uh, 40. Yeah. And that's the perpetual joke with Brian Callen is that he's he's an old man. Even when he's young, he was old. Uh, and they have this other blonde guy who I have no clue what his name is, but he's been in a few movies. Right? We said he was in Cabin Fever. Yep. And he he was one of the three guys in the car at the beginning of Super Troopers, yes. one of the three stoners. But to me, I felt like it would have been funnier if Dak Shepard was that guy. Sure. Because I don't even know if Dak Shepard had really been around at that point or not. But that's he, Dak Shepard is a better looking whoever that guy is. <laughs> I'm trying to find him here. Uh, I, I have no clue who he is. He's a, he's a mystery man. To me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's just, he's, he's not pulling off what the joke is supposed to be. Cause he just feels like he's being, it, he's poorly cast in that joke. He's yeah. not selling the joke basically. Um, so, and they have another running gag where he tells people to Google them and that they open yeah. for O town. So they bring that yeah. up constantly. Yeah. Good old, 2000 
the 2002 reference there. <laughs> O-Town. Yeah. O-Town. It's, yes. it's a the bad other guy was joke. Joey Kern. He was actually only two years younger than um, Ed Helms at the time. But they all look substantially younger. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. And Helms is just not pulling off. He's at 34 or 35. He's not pulling off 34 or 35. <laughs> right. It's that it's that old uh, joke where you have 26, 28 year olds playing, you know, 17, 18 year old high schoolers. You know, like Tobey Maguire when he was Spider-Man, he was like 27, mm-hmm. but he looked like he could be a high schooler. You can't even get Ed Helms to play a 30 year old. As Helms, a 30 year old. Ed Helms looks like he should be playing someone's vice principal. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. <laughs> what? I wish they could like they could have got like Danny McBride for that role because sure. he would have just like owned being 40 and yeah. playing that that age. You know, because you could take that. I was like, oh, Danny McBride, you're not supposed to take anything he does seriously. Exactly. I'm 34. I don't give a fuck. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And he's he's always been out of shape with, I mean, not that Ed Helms has ever been jacked or anything, but, you know, Ed Helms doesn't always appear, especially when he first came into the office, he doesn't appear to be super, you know, dad bod. He just Mm -hmm. seems to be like just normal body. Yeah. Normal dude. But he's... Like we were talking off, he's 32 when he starts as Andy in the office, and that's that's mind blowing to me. Right. So Ed Helms makes it onto our Mount Rushmore of perpetually old actors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like he doesn't even look that old now. He's still like he looks 40 in this movie. He still looks exactly like he does now. <laughs> like he's catching up to himself. <laughs> right. Right, he he froze time long enough, and now it's he had the one ring, yeah. and then he got rid of it. Now it's catching up to him. Yeah. So now 111 looks... years old, and he doesn't look a day past. So now Ed Helms looks 45, and that works for him because right. he's now 45. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the I like the image of a Mount Rushmore of William Hickey. <laughs> Clint Ed Howard. Helms. And Ed Helms. <laughs> it's like a, a mountain that looks like it's melting. <laughs> oh my god. We stole so, indigenous land for this? Oh my god. <laughs> we're still in the first act, guys. Let's uh, I know. Yeah. This up. Uh the team goes to a strip club. Uh the they only go to a strip club so they can hire a few dancers to work the sale as well as the DJ. And Ving Rhames opens up to Catherine Hahn about never making love to a woman. And then he, you know, makes sure she knows that he's had sex with women, but he's never made love to them. Um, and then Catherine Hahn admits she wants to bang 10-year-old Rob Riggle. And that's the only point of the scene. Um, <laughs> so we got the first day of the sale. Selleck gathers his team as Don psychs himself up. And uh, so one of the notes, uh, one of the, one of the, the lines... And I I only put this down because it kind of made me laugh a little bit. Um, at the scene that at dinner, um, oh, Don, I, I think I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I like this part. Don too. makes an off offhand comment of being saying that he's gonna like he's really gonna come hard. Uh, like he's gonna work hard tomorrow, so you better bring your boner pants. He says. Um, yeah. So at the scene, uh, <laughs> what well, at the first day, uh, jo- uh, James Brolin says that he his underwear he wore his really tight underwear, and Catherine Hahn's like, well, I think that was just an expression. His boner <laughs> pants. <laughs> says his, uh, he's, and then he's like, well, 
if someone tells me to wear my boner pants, I wear my boner pants. I, I'm old fashioned. If someone tells me to wear boner pants, I wear my boner pants. So right. that made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> Just because it's James Brolin delivering yeah. that line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, Josh Brolin's dad. Yeah, Josh Brolin, right? Thanos himself. <laughs> Uh, so as Don gets ready, then Catherine Hahn comes up and addresses the, the dealers, tells a story about her killing the guys that killed her boxer boyfriend, and then we find out that it's completely made up, so it's a complete waste of our time. And again, Bing Rames is the best part of it. Yeah, where he's, he's kind of singing in the background. Yeah. Back up for it. Then David Keckner talks, it comes up, addresses them, and he to- talks about the time he sold the car to MC Hammer, so that MC Hammer could then sleep in it. Uh, <laughs> That was kind of funny. Yeah. Then Dodd shows up and tells a patriotic speech that causes everyone to beat up Ken Jong in a hate crime. Then he re- then he negotiates him out of calling the police, which is kind of a weird moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Because it like because Piven doesn't really sell it. Like I can't tell if he's like being like like sarcastic about like taking this hate crime that they just committed seriously or or he's not take you know it's like it's just weird for don to take it so seriously yeah it's again it doesn't fit into they they didn't need to have that (laughs) as as much as i know we shit on jeremy piven i wonder if it's just him reading this was just uncomfortable reading this yeah i don't know know. yeah i i couldn't tell you it's just a weird scene in general Mm -hmm. i'm sure Uh, ken jong was ecstatic when he saw this (laughs) yeah uh so they set up the lot for the day um the dj the dancers show up uh, this is uh, so uh this is one the one line that i think craig robinson kind of takes this movie is um david keckner yells out to craig robinson who's a dj he's playing on the roof he's like oh why don't you uh i'm gonna place up play some charlie daniels so he's like oh yeah i'll play that and immediately plays a different song and then he just yells out nobody tells dj requests what to play <laughs> it's a pretty good line. <laughs> but um, the, the problem is they they kill it too quickly right? because sure. they they constantly ask him to play something and he does the exact opposite. You yeah. know, it's it's just it's funny. It's really funny the first time because you're not expecting it and the way yeah. he talks to himself like he's like a man possessed. Mm-hmm. But then they keep doing it. And you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, that's all it. I needed. That's all I needed from DJ Request was just that line, and then they yes. never had to address him ever again. Exactly. And even uh, if he wanted to do, like you said, the voiceover work during the, the brawl, yeah, that, that's funny, too. Him giving the play-by-play, I like that because, it's, you know, it's different. But it's not always like, hey, play this. Oh, yeah, you got it, man. And then can play something completely different. So they open up and we have a montage of people looking at cars. Seems like a pretty successful day. They con some people, too, including some woman that, you know, brings in a uh, like a Craigslist ad, basically, about uh, a cheaper car. And then Selick mentions that they have one of the cars from Smokey and the Bandit on the lot. And then we learn that a young salesman at Selick might be Don's kid, um, which is a side story that doesn't really get wholly developed. But by the yeah. end of the day, uh, they sell 71 cars uh, that day of the 211 that are on the lot. Mark? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, this is where I thought it was they were going to they could have stretched that bit out a little bit longer. Um, and just had him just keep accidentally saying things like they they basically could have like take took pieces of this first scene like uh, like basically saying oh you know my dad wasn't around okay mm-hmm. next time they run into each other oh yeah she said it was some deadbeat that you know just left after 
you know, this. Okay, could still be. How old are you? Like three scenes later, you yeah. know, comes up. Like they could have, they chunked it all into this one thing where they could have played that out through the movie and then just had the, um, you know, the moment with him and Keckner near the middle part of the movie. They sure. could have played that more near the end and still had this the great moment with Keckner and him at the end where he hits him, you know, telling him just to go with it. Yeah. Um, would have played better if this was more spaced out. Yeah, he kind of like automatically imme- like immediately thinks, oh, that might be my kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so because he does the two gun salute to heaven. Yeah. That's it. That's all it takes. Yeah. So uh, Don kind of congratulates everybody. Job well done. Sold 71 cars that day. Um, he announces that the next day, American Idol's Bo Bice's brother is going to come <laughs> perform, which is a completely dated reference. <laughs> Very dated. <laughs> yeah. They really were hanging their hat that Bo Bice was going to be a bigger thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bo Bice and O-Town. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then in the scene, we also see that Ving Rhames is starting to fall for one of the dancers, played by Noreen DeWolf. I, don't know, I you know, don't disagree with that there, Ving Rhames. Nope. No. Yeah, that was... <laughs> he makes all the best moves in this movie, man. Like, yeah. He yeah. he has his head on straight. Yeah, and he delivers every line with this coolness. Like, when he's explaining how, you know, uh, you know, he's never made love to a woman and explaining all the ways he's had sex with women. Yeah. And just the way he's explaining it to Catherine Hahn. And he's doing in other parts of the movie where he just delivers the lines like in a cool way, not trying to do a wink and a nod. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like well, he's playing the character exactly how you feel that character would yeah, be in real life. It's full full sincerity from Vin yeah. Rams. He, he doesn't need to try to do any of that stuff to be cool. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. he's a badass. It's yeah. him, Samuel L. Jackson, like Denzel Washington. Those guys don't need to try to be cool when they deliver lines it's just it just leaps out of them essentially so if like you need something awesome said those are your guys you you want them to say it if you want someone to talk about having a menage a trois menage whatever he says he does like bing rames can do that and you believe like yeah i believe i'm and i'm sure he's had very 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 many menage a trois because again he's just awesome but that's the yeah. good part about Ving Rhames in this movie. He's not yeah. trying. It's got, just... What was it? 69 to 80... 112. 114. <laughs> it's just yeah. so, it's so cool. And it, it, there's the no effort at all without a wink. Yeah. You know? No, yeah, that's... A, like, I mean, he would go... He would later go on to star in, like, Piranha 3D. Just, like, again, with just the same sincerity and just playing it straight. That's yeah. that's what Ving, that's Ving Rhames. He's he's not gonna wink at the camera. He's gonna play his character the way it's supposed to be played. It's right. great. Yeah, he, um, he's a national treasure. Yeah. Uh, so then Paxton shows up with his dad from Harding Motors and it's Alan Thicke. <laughs> yes. That's a good cameo. Yeah. Never see Alan Thicke in a movie. Right. Was it uh, was this during the uh, I don't want to say like the Alan Thicke Renaissance. Would this have been when he was also on How I Met Your Mother or was that later? I feel like that was later. Okay. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like that was later. Yeah. Um, so Harding, played by Alan Thicke, offers to buy Selleck's lot to open up rehearsal space for Big Ups, which is uh, Paxton's uh, boy band. And uh, Selleck excuses himself for a moment to talk to Harding, and then he up and sells the lot to Harding. And then Don refuses to let that go, so he says uh, he'll make a bet with everybody. If he sells all the cars on the lot by the end of the sale, Selleck doesn't sell. 
But if he doesn't, he'll quit selling cars. They could go do the sale, and he'll offer up Keckner's character to Selick to have sex with. And that's <laughs> that's the linchpin for uh, Selick to be like, all right, you're on, right? Because okay. it's 2009. <laughs> well, it's he was he he talks about how it's a dead marriage, Selick. Yeah. And yeah. like he goes cruising for for men, but he's like some people call it companionship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the problem. They don't know how to really make it funny. Yeah. No, it's just uncomfortable. I don't. Yeah. I, and like I don't think I don't think it's looking at it from a 2020 lens. I just think it's just awkward. <laughs> like I, I think in 2009, yeah. it, we're probably sitting there in the theater. I was like, all right, cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's an, there's a lot of plot threads that really don't need to be in this movie right yeah. uh his son the yeah. uh james brolin wanting to nail david keckner yeah you don't need to have either of those in this movie. and yeah, it, it, it probably doesn't suffer it, it um it feels like all the bits that feel like they were written script bits don't work and all the moments we talk about and like seem to be the scenes that were which probably be ad-libbed right yeah you know that that's where i think this movie falls apart is all the structured moments in it are awful mm-hmm. um or terribly paced or a combination of the two um but all the all the one-off moments or the times where they probably kept the camera rolling and just like the like, go back to the ving rame scene like he just keeps adding all that stuff and i could just see like they just kept the camera rolling and he just had to keep coming up with different you know terms for sexual things he did um yeah. and all that stuff works and hits um and I think that's I think as we're talking through this, I think that's where the disconnect is. Sure. Is you know the the structure of the movie does not complement the the ad libbing. Sure. The, so the team goes to karaoke to celebrate, and not much really happens in the scene. Don sings "Turn the Page" terribly. Ving Rhames tells Ivy about something from Don's past that they call Kirky, and they mention it happened in Albuquerque. Um, Captain and then Kirk. Captain Kirk is one of the. <laughs> Nicknames for Albuquerque. Yeah, nicknames for Albuquerque. Then Catherine Hahn feeds a 10-year-old liquor. And that's basically (laughs) all that happens in the scene. So day two, they start the morning off with watching a commercial that they were able to pull together at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, this, this would really... be something for you being in that industry before yeah. of how they pulled this together. Yeah, I mean, and shot it, edited it, and sold graphics. it. Graphics, <laughs> even graphics. graphics in it <laughs> in like two hours. Um, like PowerPoint graphics, but still. Yeah, <laughs> and the whole commercial is basically Selig telling people to come down because he's about to die, which seems to backfire. <laughs> Which is interesting, uh, because the mood on the lot is really dour when people come. Uh, it's basically a funeral for Selick, and nobody's buying cars. Um, and, you know, this is one play that I guess uh, Don really wasn't expecting. Um, but the crowd shows up for Eric Bice, Bo Bice's brother. But unfortunately, Bice doesn't show up because he has adult chicken pox. So <laughs> Don takes it upon himself to sing, but, but he's a terrible singer. And then Dick, the old racist car salesman, starts a riot and the cops have to come and uh, he gets, uh, you know, a uh, summons for inciting a riot. Then Don rebounds with new sale, new sales offers based on the riot that he announces live on the new the local news. And meanwhile, Ving Rhames gets himself a date with Heather, Heather, the stripper. And Don has a catch with Blake. Blake tells him he doesn't give a shit about his father because his father ditched him and must be pretty much a loser for leaving him and his son, his son and his 
uh, girlfriend mm-hmm. behind. Wink, wink. You get it, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, Ivy pleads with Don to tell her what happened to Al- in Albuquerque. And it turns out he killed McDermott, his best friend, by giving him a bag of dildos when he was supposed to give him a parachute. And it and is this, the best part of the movie. This is the funniest part of the movie. Because um, we go I do into... Like, uh, sorry, I do like how... But it's a President's Day sale. Yeah. And, <laughs> and McDermott is dressed up as Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. I freed the slaves. Now I'm going to free <laughs> those cars from high prices. Uh, so this is the Will Ferrell cameo. Um, and it's 100% the funniest part of the movie. This is the part that just had me laughing to myself to the point of crying. Um, then, then again, it's another Wedding Crashers ripoff. Right, because you get Will Ferrell in that cameo. Sure. And he's very funny. I mean, obviously, Wedding Crashers as a whole is a very funny movie, but it's just it's playing off of that yeah. uh, same shtick. Like, oh, we got Will Ferrell in a, a a bit role. Yeah, it's really fucking stupid, but it's it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, like the this the jo- there's also a John Wilkes Booth line. I don't even remember how that went, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> like I'm gonna co- I'm gonna come from behind them and blast them in the head or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird line. <laughs> and then he's like, he realizes that he's got a parish uh, a bag full of dildos in his back, and he's like, most people have their, their regrets flash before their eyes, but I'm going to talk about how all the good things that I did. It's like a full uh, a full back tattoo of the Hawaiian punch guy. 100% real fruit juice motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> that, had me, that had me rolling. I like the, the line he says where he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this dildo and get into an aerodynamic pose and bounce off of it. <laughs> Break my fall. But Mark, to your uh, to your point, that entire scene is 100% adlib. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they they put him in a green screen and they're pretending to drop him and yeah. they and they just say, all right, just whatever comes to your mind, roll. Right. Yeah. I, I started cracking. Like I I started cracking up at the oh, there's that dildo again. <laughs> <laughs> like That's I would what I lost see, I would love to see the stuff that I didn't put in. Like I just, I think I just miss laughing at something Will Ferrell did. It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah, it's. I I hope. And I, I was thinking of it this um, the other day after after I was watching this because my my father-in-law hates Will Ferrell and I was like, how can you hate Will Ferrell? He's a funny guy. But eventually, all three of us will get to the age where an actor will come along where we say that there will be a Will Ferrell for us. Yeah. Right. Unless it, if it's not happened already. If it hasn't, I'm sure there. I mean, obviously there are actors that we all dislike but at one point you know when we have kids or whatever i'm like oh you know i'm gonna go see the new uh such and such movie like oh that fucking guy he sucks well no he's funny man you don't get it dad you just you're not cool anymore Uh, you know i used to be cool i used to be with it but now i don't know what it is and what it it is scares me it is 100 percent of youtube and it'll happen to you Yeah. No man, no way, man. We're gonna keep on rocking forever, forever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we got that in there. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> gotta get that one Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, a... Mark. We just kind of steamrolled you so we could get that in, out. Yeah, that, I, I let it happen. <laughs> that one, that one was kind of a uh, a deep pull. <laughs> I don't know how we worked it in, but we did. It works. It'll fly. It'll fly. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, the scene, and even the the scene where he comes back as the angel, 
was yeah. kind of funny. But the, yeah. the the initial scene of seeing him, I, and I remember in the theater laughing after seeing like, oh, it's Will Ferrell. You know, it's that was definitely the driving point of this movie, mm-hmm. or the selling point, I should say. So then, uh, meanwhile, while he's having that conversation, Blake tells David Kickner that he knows who his father is, and it's not Don. And Kickner basically tells him, no, just to pretend for Don's sake that you're his son. Then the night DJ requests won't stop playing, so they turn the power off on him, and he gets kind of pissed, but nothing really comes out of it. Um, he makes got, the um, you know declaration that he's homeless. Yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so at night, back at the ho- at the motel, we get two sex scenes. Uh, between one between Ving Rhames and Heather, which is the relationship I more I care more about, which I shouldn't. And then Ivy and Don. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the just the delivery between uh, you know Heather and Ving Rhames' character when they both come <laughs> to the realization that they both want the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Making love, is, love boring. is boring. Yeah. yeah. My, my <laughs> safety word is blueberry pancake. Yeah, that part made me laugh. <laughs> the, just the way he says it. Like, my safety word is blueberry pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> he's so giddy when he says it. He's like, he's so happy to do it. It's not just like, oh, here's my safe word, blueberry pancake. Like, no, he's, ooh, he, he's about to get it on and blueberry pancakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Ivy and Don have sex. And it's boring. It's it's white people boring <laughs> sex. So day three comes and we've got 105 cars left on the lot. Next morning, uh, Ivy basically says that she just used Don for one last fling. So he has a hissy fit and storms off. Um, at the dealership, a real defeatist attitude hangs over the lot. Um, because Don's not there, but they rally together and they get themselves pumped up to sell some cars by, with the help of Ken Jong kind of leads that. And Don wanders into a junkyard and finds either the ghost of McDermott or his hallucination. And McDermott basically tells him to fuck off with a couple of singing <laughs> angels. Which is real good. Yeah. Tell... What's the one line? Like, you couldn't have said that in a, a more sing-songy way like no oh, the way he dies, <laughs> way he dies. <laughs> choking I'll on see... a sausage patty in a strip club i'll see you in 27 years <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're gonna die in 27 years how do i die yeah choking on a sausage patty august 19th 2034 and i watched it on august uh 19th i watched this movie wow there you go that's um... pretty weird but it I, I do like the line when he's like, you couldn't make that into a song. Like, no, we tried on on our uh, spaceship down to Earth. <laughs> heaven. Our spaceship heaven spaceship. Heaven. <laughs> and also, you, we forgot to mention that Will Ferrell has like a Lemmy mustache going. <laughs> he has like the mutton chops going into the stash. Yeah. It's so ridiculous, but it looks so funny. <laughs> it, it, like it works for some reason. Yeah. Well, wasn't it because he was doing the Abraham Lincoln thing? Is well, that... I don't think so because Abraham Lincoln didn't have that kind of facial hair. He just had he had the, the opposite, beard, right? Yeah, he had the beard, but he didn't he didn't have the mutton chops going into like the he wasn't a metal rock star, right. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> as far <laughs> well, as I know, he, he was didn't... a vampire hunter. So. <laughs> I didn't know if he was a headbanger or not. Right. Um. So he tells. He tells uh, Don, basically, get off the road because it's pathetic at this point. Um, you're in your 40s. And then Don gets an epiphany that he needs his te- He needs to help his team. Um, so he runs off. Uh, but then we get a montage of the team selling cars. 
managed to sell all the cars on the lot. And Don finds an airport and parachutes into the lot after they've sold all the cars. And they celebrate. And he's very proud of everybody. And Harding and his son show up and say they haven't sold the bandit car, so they lose the bet. But then... Don, being the car salesman he is, manages to smooth talk Paxton into buying the bandit car for his band. For he knocks it down from $200,000 to 80k. Um, then Paxton breaks up with Ivy because he needs to carpe diem, and <laughs> Don decides to stay in Temecula with Ivy. And then we we get postscript, yeah, with his son, um, which isn't his son. Yeah, he says the... I'm like six inches taller than you, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the. My I, my favorite part of the end with the pull away is when they pull away and show that last car that they pushed out of the lot <laughs> sitting there broken down. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's on uh, two two donuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that made me chuckle when they pull it out and they show that final car was just broken down. I I realized while Ant was saying how uh, Jeremy Piven needed to go help, he had the epiphany to go help his team. You could remove Don the Goods Ready, and nothing would have changed during that sale. He doesn't do it. I think he does one thing where he pretends to be a different. He he pretends to be a salesman from another dealership. Oh, the uh, the uh, science the of lab joke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the. I think that's the only thing he really does to help sell a car. Yeah, I mean we don't. I mean it's all it's all a montage. So. Yeah, maybe you know. he does more. But from what the viewer sees. Right. He's not really integral to selling any cars. The others do more. Yeah. So yeah, he's not he's more of he's more of a supervisor, really. I yeah. guess he's letting them do the things. Yeah. Isn't there? Oh, it's Indiana Jones where they say you could remove Indiana Jones and that movie still plays out the way it does. Really? Yeah. I've never be, heard that. Because the Nazis still get the Ark of the Covenant. They still take it to the island. Yeah. And oh, they open it and they all die anyway. Yeah. Okay. So that, that does make sense. I was gonna say, well, I thought Indiana Jones was like integral to Indiana Jones, no, <laughs> but I guess the, not. The whole the whole plot of that movie basically he doesn't stop them. So if he never arrives, everything plays out the same way. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I gotta tell you guys, throughout the in, like half of this podcast, I've just had Clint Howard staring at me. <laughs> I closed that immediately. Yeah. I don't know how to close it. And he, this alien baby, Clint Howard, has just been mouth agape. It's like he wants busted ass teeth. Yeah, it looks like he wants to talk to me and just like tell me things aren't going to be okay. It looks like he's in pain. (laughs) Right. My teeth are all fucked up. I can't chew. Uh, How did he be? I don't understand how he became an actor at all. Yeah. Even with his brother having. So much pull. I don't know how anyone, a casting director, could say, "Yeah, you'll do." <laughs> well, well, as a well, he's in a lot of Ron's movies, so. Um, he's the he's like the epitome of have of the coach being your dad, <laughs> right? Okay, but it also the look helps when you need to have a standout, like a memorable character actor, like a memorable background character. I don't get know? it. I don't get it. You know, I'm if, sorry. He looked, if he looked like plain all-American boy. You know, you wouldn't remember the name of the actor that was in, what, Apollo 13, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I promise you I'm not going to forget this face tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point when you're hiring character terrifying. actors is they have to. It, it was my old saying is that they are the foundation for the movie, you know, is that if if your leads, you know, with this movie 
proves that you can have a mediocre movie with a terrible lead if everybody else around it is really good. Yeah. Um, but you can't really have vice versa, um, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, and Clint Howard is probably the most famous of those type. And it might just be because he's been in Ron's movies and Ron has made a lot of big movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, essentially. But, you know, Stanley I, Tucci is another one of them. I would make this movie better by putting Clint Howard. Yeah. I would, I would make it. I would make him one of the salesmen. Yeah, you you could easily make him who's um I would make him a salesman who has not sold a single car in <laughs> 30 years of selling cars. He's like Gil? He's Gil. Yeah. He's essentially Gil from the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. He has to bring his cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> How would you make this guy? How would you make this movie better? Was it just Clint Howard? Uh I would put Clint Howard in it. Uh he would have a fake family cuz uh, there's the uh the scene where who is it? David Keckner is telling uh who who is it? Um Tony Hale. Tony Hale that he needs to have skinny kids instead of the fat kids, like his normal kids. Yeah. But no, you you need skinny kids in there because it it drives home the point that uh you, you need have the to feed them. Yeah. And then you have the fat wife to make you feel sorry for the guy. But I would have just Clint Howard with a fake family, like he you know he carries around the family, like oh you're cute kids, like oh they're not real. Those aren't. I just have a fake family. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we if we're actually replacing him with people in the movie, uh, that would be the guy I'd swap Clint Howard out for. Yeah, because Tony Hale really yeah. doesn't do much. He has a few lines, yeah. but he's not very memorable. Um, other. Let's see. I I'd get rid of the love interest plot because that really doesn't go anywhere. Uh, if anything, I want to keep the could be my son, could not be my son, uh, storyline. And let's see. I mean, I think we kind of came to the conclusion that we would kind of swap out a, uh, a better cast with some of the people here. Uh, yeah. Other than that, you know, I don't know if I would have it where maybe Jeremy Piven is going up against who he thinks his son is to, instead of going up against Ed Helms. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he has to, like his, his he's trying to reconnect with his kid. And his kid's a real dickhead to him, so he's he tells him he's gonna outsell him, and the kids, you know, like oh, you know, you don't got the moves, old man, blah blah blah. And it turns out he still does. He's kicking his ass, but then he kind of takes it easy on him. He pulls back at the end and lets uh lets his son sell the the bandit car. Sure. To kind of just like reconnect with him. So maybe yeah, like you make it where that is his kid instead of it being it, instead of it just going nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's I yeah. think I think that's a good way, and you I would probably get rid of the whole molesty thing with Catherine Hahn and Rob Riggle because that's just even in again in 2009 that really doesn't play well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think to to your point maybe maybe there's more of like a rivalry between Harding Motors and and th- these guys Selick, so maybe his son works for the other guys, and they the bet is that uh, we could sell more cars than you guys can. Sure. Yeah, I would buy that. Right. Yeah. Like the, the son works for Harding Motors. Yeah, yeah. That makes way more sense than Ed Helms being in a boy band. Yeah. 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 The yeah, outside of the obvious bits and all and uh, jokes to take out that just wouldn't fly or shouldn't have even flown back then. You would make um, it longer, right? Yeah. As always, I would add 20 <laughs> minutes to it um, because that's what I do. Um, but uh, essentially, I think half of this movie's problem is Jeremy Piven. You know, yeah. I think if you replace him with a better actor that has more chemistry uh, with the cast, you get at least a movie that everybody's like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. 
it has some shit in it, but, you know, that was before Me Too. You know, you, you could get away with it if it was a better lead in there. But since it's Jeremy Piven, everybody doesn't like Jeremy Piven, and he has no chemistry at all with this cast. Um, it just makes it a bottom tier one of those comedies. And I think I think instantly, even at the time, just switching, you could even swap, um, you know, the... I don't know if he, if he would do the cameo as well, but even if you flip Will Ferrell and Jeremy Piven, you know, the movie's instantly better, um, It, you know, for this. And I think that's the easiest change, and the rest of it is just essentially, you know, what time period you're showing this in. Um, you know, what kind of jokes you think you can get away with or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and also I would like a, uh, writers to have more time trying to figure out these bits instead of looking like they wrote them on set that day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, I think the main problem here is Jeremy Piven. He just doesn't gel with everybody else. I think we've already mentioned a, a few people that could probably gel a little bit better. Um, Adam Scott's a really good answer. I still say Bradley Cooper probably could have done it. Um, yeah, I just think I think he's he's just not it's on like I said on paper it makes a lot of sense. He's playing basically Ari Gold, but he's just not the the tone is different than Entourage. It's in a different world, in a different universe than Entourage. So while everybody else is just playing the the dummies and you know being weird, he's just playing Ari Gold, so it's just not working. It just doesn't mix. Um that's really it. Um, you guys want, uh, I guess this is kind of wrapping it up. You guys want to plug your shit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know the drill, at Diaquino122 on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, follow our Real Play D&D podcast at Stranger Damies on Twitter and at Stranger Damies on Instagram. Yep, and then uh, Stranger Damies airs every Wednesday. Um, there'll be a, uh episode up tomorrow. Um, as with during the quarantine, it'll probably be up a little later than usual, you know, usually around noon or so since i have a little more time to um not rush it and uh so um and plus what else you got to do during the day you don't need a podcast at 9 a.m um <laughs> anymore fuck you, uh, <laughs> fuck you guys <laughs> let me get some sleep um so yeah and uh you know we uh we stream over at the game ball pod that podcast is every other monday we just had one up on monday um so feel free to check that out um i'll be streaming on thursday um, and we'll be streaming on Sunday. Um, just, just stay tuned to the, the Twitter, um, you know, game Bolt um, pod, um, with all the schedule updates as we figure out if we're able to do other days of the week, two of us in the group are going through, you know, updating computers through the quarantine. Um, so, uh, things will be up in the air, um, for now, but, uh, just, just be on the lookout for that. And then of course, you know, we're on Instagram for both Stranger Damies and the Game Ball Pod. So feel free to send any animations, fan art, anything of things that go on in those podcasts. Okay, great. And this is They Called This Movie. You can find us at they call this a movie.podbean.com. We're also on the main Amy.com is our main website. Um, you can find us on all podcast streaming apps by just searching They Called This a Movie. So look for that. We should pop right up find us on all social media at the main damey so facebook instagram and twitter just look for the main damey and we should pop right up um we are also proud member of geek vibes nation they're on all social media platforms at geek vibes nation just look for that they should pop right up 
Uh, their main website is gbnation.com, but uh, podcast streaming is also just Geek Vibes Nation. They got a bunch of great shows. We mentioned Tia's show. We also got Geek Vibes Live that Dan has popped up on, Scene and Nerd, bunch of other great shows that um, they have under their umbrella. Check those guys out. Check us out. Um, if you have time, if you have iTunes, please rate and review us. It helps us out a great deal. And uh, yeah, that's that's the pitch. If you got any ideas for movies that we should watch, um, hit us up at the main at gmail.com or on Twitter. Twitter's the best place to get a hold of us. That's at the main uh, We're the most active there. I am at Antelvec on Twitter. Um, and this has been the goods colon live hard sell hard. Directed by Neil Brennan. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Novecchio telling Neil Brennan to go fuck himself. 